0: It's almost always been just saying it by rote. It's like the kid going, thank you. Thank you for the food. I really appreciate it. But there was this moment where I actually was like, hold on. I really am grateful. That was nice. And I think moving after all of this, uh, my goal personally, and I think it's something that will come out of all of this, and I certainly hope it will, is that people... Take time to smell the roses and and really harness
1: gratitude. This is Crisis Cast 2020 with me, Toby Goodman, a podcast where I get timely wisdom from experts in life and business. These guests will answer my five questions, sharing wisdom and insights to help you and me get through this global shitstorm. Today on Crisis Cast 2020, I spent time with a man who gets gratification from me getting the words gratitude and gratification mixed up. I met Howard Cooper on a tractor ride three years ago at a four-year-old's birthday party before he had a brilliant podcast. And if you get the impression we've spent some time together in the past, you'd be right. There is an amount of banter to this one. Nevertheless, Howard Cooper is one of the world's leading rapid change consultants and hypnotists. He supported more than two and a half thousand individuals over the past 17 years on an international level, regularly bringing about transformational changes to their lives. And this is change that I've personally seen for myself. So if you find you're feeling more uncertain than normal about your life and business at this moment, this podcast is for you, as is his incredibly generous offer that is free to all NHS key and essential workers across the world. Howard is both a funny man in serious times and a serious man in funny times. Enjoy. Before we start the show, I have something for you. If you identify as pod curious, it's perfect for you. If you're an expert consultant or business owner, maybe you're wondering if podcasting is worth the effort, especially now, or perhaps you've tried podcasting in the past, but have been disappointed with the results in this free guide, PodStar. I'll share the exact seven steps we use to help publish over 2,000 podcasts each month. To get instant access, go to podcastnetworksolutions.com. Howard Cooper, welcome to Crisis Class 2020. Thanks for coming on. It's great to be here, Taby.
0: Really looking forward to having some good conversation. And I think it's an
1: important time for us to be discussing things like uncertainty. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about First of all, where you are right now, What what's going on in your local life? Because we're pretty local to each other, but I feel like I haven't seen you for ages. And yep. frankly, you could be anywhere. I could be. Well, it's kind of interesting because if I really
0: stop and think about it, what I'm doing right now is not that different from any of the stuff I'd normally be doing. Like at uh, this moment in time, there there is kind of this idea that we're in this global pandemic and things, this crisis all over the place and so on. But for the majority of people, if we just stay present and focus on what's happening in the moment, there's nothing vastly different from the rest of my life. Right now, I'm sitting here talking to you. We're recording a podcast. This is something that I often do. We're talking about themes around uncertainty. I often do that. My kids are in the next room. I often have that. So on that kind of level, nothing's really that different. It's only when we start adding narrative to the whole stuff that we begin to feel like something's going wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, there are some differences. I mean, we both are used to working online. We're both used to kind of being our own bosses, rowing our own boats and stuff to a certain degree, but we do both have young kids of similar ages. So, I mean, how are you getting around that? How are you getting through that part of it? Yeah. There are some, shall we say, uh, let's say diplomatically, logistical challenges,
0: in that, look, I have two young kids, six and four years old. We're having to homeschool them. My wife works full-time. I work full-time. So we're having to juggle a lot of stuff. And I am not a qualified teacher. Uh, and it can be really difficult because, you know, you come down in the morning uh, and, and getting them to do the math exercises is, is just an absolute nightmare. You know, and I say to my wife, you've just got to do them. Yeah. And how's she doing with that? Terrible. Yeah, we really need to get
1: our maths back up to scratch. Yeah. You know, okay. but but I blame, I blame the teachers. Well, there you go. You can only do your best. Exactly. Um, in this time. So on a serious note, Howard, I've been asking this question. I've been asking these two questions together. How are we going to get through this? How's, how are people going to get through this? And what do you think the other lo- other side looks like? Okay. These are big questions.
0: And... What I'd like to do is just to, just to step back a moment because uh, as you know Toby my background is as a rapid change consultant and i spent the last 17 years helping I mean literally thousands of people with all sorts of challenges and th- there's some interesting phenomena that's happened around this time which as as you've mentioned uh, you know it's, it's a time of great uncertainty and we're not sure what's going to happen on the other side of this thing but, you know, look, the last 17 years, I've worked with people over fear of flying, panic attacks, anxiety, health anxieties, fears, phobias, stopping smoking, weight loss, all that kind of stuff. And I think the common theme is interesting because more often than not, I'm working with people who come and they see me and they've got something that they want to change that deep down they know, well, it's not. It's a bit irrational. Someone knows, I know that flying is the safest form of transport, But I'm still terrified. Whereas now, at the moment, what we're seeing is a huge rise of people talking about anxiety and corona-related anxiety and the impact of lockdown and so on. And anxiety is being used more frequently than any other word that I'm hearing at the moment. However, virtually very few people I'm seeing are really going, well, I need to sort this out, or I need to look at a different response. And I think the difference is, is people are thinking, well, this is a normal thing to feel. There really is a crisis going on. So it's not in the category of, well, I know it's not real or I know it's irrational. This is like, well, actually anxiety right now seems like a pretty rational response. So I think that's kind of indicative of where we're at at the moment. And I think one of the big things that we need to do in terms of going back to your question to get past this is to begin to stop looking at anxiety as a useful response. We need to start looking at anxiety as It's like a remnant of a biological primal mechanism that no longer serves us. And to begin to learn strategies of not using anxiety to keep us safe, but using wisdom and using clarity of thinking will help uh, us overall get through this much more effectively.
1: Yeah, you spoke to me the other day about the analogy you used about crossing a road with a child, which I thought was pretty cool. Can you give me that one again?
0: Yeah. So there's this idea that that people think, as we said, that anxiety keeps you safe, but it doesn't really. And a good example that I often give clients when I'm working with them one-on-one is, you know, when, when you're young, two, three years old, how do you learn to cross the road? Your parents learn, uh, teach you using fear as a mechanism. So they say to you, don't run out into the road, because if you're out into the road, you'll get splatted. Cars will run you over. So it's the fear of being run over that drives the behavior to not run out into the road. However, how many adults do you see at the side of the road having panic attacks and anxiety about crossing? Well, you don't really. And the reason why is of course at some point as you get older you learn to upgrade that way of thinking to use wisdom instead of fear. So you know if I look left and I look right and I wait till it's clear, now I can cross the road and I don't need anxiety to keep safe. I actually need wisdom. And ironically Anxiety, in its form of fight, fight or uh, freeze, it is likely to stop you thinking clearly and to stop you using wisdom, which is going to get in the way. I mean, it kind of reminds me. I was on LBC about four or five weeks ago when the first guy in Britain died of the coronavirus, and they had me on air talking to the nation about how we can manage health anxiety around this and. I really like the presenter. I've been on that show a few times. We have a good relationship, but he was kind of being a little bit tongue in cheek when he said to me right at the end of the interview, he said, well, Howard, can I ask you, how many times have you washed your hands today? I mean, have you increased the number of times you've washed your hands? And I was like, well, I maybe have washed my hands a little bit more than I normally do. But here's the key. I can wash my hands an appropriate amount of times during the day without having an accompanying beating heart rate or my pupils dilating or the, all the catastrophic thinking of well what if i don't and maybe i've got corona and maybe i'll pass it on no no i'm just using wisdom and just washing my hands
1: yeah that's a good answer for a slightly cheeky radio host i'm glad i'm glad you gave it to him tell me about i mean you seem to be very in control of the anxiety thing for yourself but you certainly seem to be experiencing a different set of emotions we spoke a little bit the other day about gratification and I'm, I'm wondering if that's where where your mind is spending more time and is that a useful antidote to deal with anxiety is that is if you, if you manage to train your mind to to move towards gratification rather than panic
0: yeah i i like the word gratification I, i'm i think it was gratitude that we spoke about but gratification <laughs> that, that's a whole different area
1: I feel like it's the same thing in many ways.
0: Yeah, well, you know. Gratitude. And I'm grateful for that. Well, look, I I think there are two kind of key areas that I think people should be focusing on. And one I could talk about for a long time, which is essentially the idea of getting better and more resilient at dealing with unpleasant emotions. So what I mean by that, I'm pretty sure that um, I hold the personal development industry accountable for this that what's happened i think is that as the rise of positive thinking and personal development has increased over however many years what we see is a rise of people who increase their demands psychologically on how positive they need to be well if po- i have to think positively all the time and if only everything is- if i if i visualize it then i can do it and that's all well and good but what downside is, is that implies that negative thinking or negative emotions are somehow dangerous or to be feared. And the reality is, is that's not the case. I mean, almost everyone will have negative thoughts from time to time. But the real question is, is whether we believe in them or not. And if you can learn not to buy into them, like, oh, you can just have them. So I'll give you a good example of this. A couple, actually, uh, I've done a lot of work with fear of flying over the years. And a lot of phobic flyers, they'll come in and they'll say to me something like, you know, make me like all the people who are fine flying, who who never have any problems flying, who never have a negative thought about flying. I'm like, that's the thing that they have in their mind. That's what they think is the case. So I always invite them to go and try this. Find people who are okay flying, who don't have any severe flying issues, fly comfortably without too much trouble, and go and say to them, Like, have you ever had a negative thought about flying? And they'll almost always say to you, well, yeah, of course. I've thought to myself, what if we crashed? What if there was a delay? What if there was turbulence? And then say to them, okay, great. When those negative thoughts come up, what techniques do you use in order not to have terrible panic attacks and anxiety about them? And they'll look at you and they'll always go like this. They'll go, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm." because they have no idea. There isn't a technique. It never even struck them that they had to use a technique. Why? Because it was just a thought. It was just a fleeting thought. They gave it no credence. But of course, if you start thinking that I can, I should only ever think positive, the moment a negative thought, what if there's turbulence pops up? Well, now I'm more triggered. And that's what's happening with corona. People are having thoughts like, oh, how long will it last for? How, how am I going to, to what, what if I lose my job? What if the finances can't cope? What if we don't have food? What if we don't have this? What if we don't have that? And rather than just going, well, it's just a thought and not dwelling on it, they confuse that those thoughts with the real thing itself, and so that they get more triggered. Why? Because they've been bought into the lie of, we must never have negative thinking. No, what if it's just okay to feel uncertain from time to time? What if it is okay? There's a good analogy, which I often get into with people, which is, we go back to 1896, to the creation of cinema, and what we're talking about is the Lumiere brothers. They created cinema. They created the projector and the, the camera and the ability to play moving images back. And there's this lovely story of what happened. It was one of the, the, the first, it was actually the third piece of footage they ever created. It was a 90 second movie of a train pulling into a station. That was all. So you and I, Toby, we'd be able to go into a cinema, watch that. And just, you know, maybe yawn because it would just be dull. I mean, there's no storyline. There's no plot. It's only 90 seconds. We certainly wouldn't have any anxiety. We're going back to 1896, the people of France who were seeing this for the very first time, who have no frame of reference when they saw a train coming towards them. Rumor is, is some of their hearts started racing. Some of them started freaking out. Some of them ducked so they wouldn't get run over. And even more extreme, some of them ran out the cinema screaming for their lives. Ah, there's a train. And I often play this game with clients that I see. And I say, listen, if we went back in time to 1896 and we greeted that person as they'd run out the cinema screaming for their lives, how do you think they would have responded if we asked them the question, is that real anxiety that you're feeling? They would have been like, yeah, of course it's real anxiety. Like what do you take me for? And then if we said to them, "Well, where's it coming from?" They would have gone, "Well, what are you nuts?" The coming from the train, the train coming towards me was making me anxious. But of course, it wasn't a real train. And uh, if we then gave people the challenge of, "Well, knowing what we'd know about how the technology works, how could we help them to go back and feel okay in that cinema?" Well, the, 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 a lot of people will say, "Well, you say you just say to them, tell them it's not real." And if we just told them it's not real, my guess is they turn around and go, well, of course it is. And the reason why they'd say that so convincing and be so convinced is they would. And here's the crucial thing. They would feel like the real feeling of anxiety that they had was telling them how real the train was. But it wouldn't be. That's the illusion. The only thing the real feeling of anxiety is telling them is how much they are believing the image to be real doesn't tell us whether the image is real. It tells us how much they believe it's real. And that's the issue here, right? Because here's the thing. You and I, as we said, can watch, go and watch the same thing in the cinema. We don't have any freaking out. Why? Because deeply we understand the technology. And if people can begin to understand the technology of how their brain works and that their thoughts are just thoughts, it's just the cinema in their mind, then their body stops responding as acutely. And if we look at all of the areas where people are freaking out, they're making images in their mind of, what if I get Corona? What if my partner gets it? What if my family get it? What if we'll have no food? Essentially, they're falling for the cinema in their mind because at that moment as they're thinking it, it's not happening. So I think getting good at recognizing thoughts as just thoughts, getting good at really being okay with just feeling uncertain. It is okay. We don't have to know everything in order to be happy. I think is key. And the other side of that is gratitude and just being present and being grateful in the moment for what we do have, you know, and I think those things reflecting and rather than looking at what we don't have, going like, what do I I have right now in this moment? It's those three things, thoughts as thoughts, being okay with feeling unpleasant, uncertain feelings, and being grateful for what we do have will certainly help dramatically Cope as a nation and a world to somewhere that's better.
1: So, how is gratitude manifesting itself in your daily life as you're trying to deal with two kids and all of that stuff?
0: Yeah, well, you know, there are times where they're driving me mad, and I consider getting duct tape out and taping them to the ceiling so I can get a moment's peace. And then I remember, you know, that you know, you know, that, that there are people out there you know, we have a garden. I'm really grateful for, for the garden. I'm really grateful for the fact that I have two healthy, you know, ostensibly in inverted commas, lovely children. You know, we have food on the table. It's just being really mindful of what there is. And it's easy in the heat of the moment to get frustrated about certain things. And But it is a good place to sit with the focus and intention of just, you know, being grateful and reflecting on gratitude you know, I, I, I know we, we've talked about this before, but I had a really interesting moment once where lockdown had just started and we really didn't know how it was going to unfold in terms of having access to food. And I felt pretty sure that, you know, well, you know, the, the government will always allow us to have food, mainly because I think, you know, if everyone dies of starvation, it's a bigger crisis than Corona. Right. So they have to that they have to prioritize food. But nevertheless, there was some uncertainty around it. And I remember sitting there having a meal one night and just sort of thinking, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. But right this moment, I'm genuinely grateful that I have food on my table. And I kind of giggled when I found myself having that thought because, you know, there's these religious ideas of having grace after meals or saying thank you after you've eaten. And I realized that anytime time I'd done that or been forced to do that, for any sort of spiritual or religious purposes in my past, it's almost always been just saying it by rote. It's like the kid going, thank you. Thank you for the food. I really appreciate it. But there was this moment where I actually was like, hold on. I really am grateful. That was nice. And I think moving after all of this, uh, my goal personally, and I think it's something that will come out of all of this, and I certainly hope it will, is that people take time to smell the roses and and really harness gratitude, connect with it, not just because it's something that people who are thought leaders or meditators or say, you should be grateful. So every day you look in the mirror and you go, I am grateful for all of the things that I have, but actually start from a place of really feeling it. You know, It's hard to feel it if you've never been without. Whereas I think that's what uncertainty has taught us.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. A lot of the conversations that I've been having have have spoken to gratification for sure and and, and gratitude, you know, both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Do they regularly gratify? Well, I mean, it's not that kind of show, but maybe Gratification Cast 2021 would be a nice Segue after, after yeah. we're through the um, main pandemic, right? We could move into that. Absolutely. Although you yeah. wouldn't be my first choice for that show. Listen, I'm not sure I want to come on that show. Good work. All right. So tell me about, once you've, once you've had some more water, tell me about how highly charismatic and skilled you are, but also tell me about, because you've got these, amazing skills and you've got this incredible history. And although we're having a, a good old laugh, you've done some great work and you continue to do some great work according to other people that I know, who I respect, who've worked with you. And what I'm wondering is from a business standpoint, what are you doing now differently to what you were doing before? People showing up in your, uh, in your offices and, and, and you're working with them directly. So what, what are you doing now? How have you, how have you adapted? Okay, so for years I've seen people face to face doing client
0: sessions, helping them with stuff. But I've also, for years, worked online doing virtual sessions using various ways of interacting online, whether it's Facebook um, or uh, Zoom or Skype. So, so funnily enough, this has not been a huge change for me. The only difference is is that instead of you know only seeing people who internationally are based for Zoom sessions, online sessions. I'm also doing it with people that, you know, live around the corner from me who I'd normally see face to face. So in that sense, not a huge amount has changed. What I have started doing more of is doing online coaching programs and mainly because I wanted to get help to more people, especially given that more people are talking about anxiety and not realizing that actually that that you don't have to have it just because there is something real going on at this moment. So I created a 12 week Corona anxiety support program and I, I made it really cost effective for, for everyone and also free for NHS key workers and people that are on the front line, essentially putting themselves at risk so that to keep the nation going. Because I think it's really important also to be able to give back as well. But essentially, this is 12 weeks looking at all the aspects of Corona and Corona anxiety. So not just the health implications of what if I get it? And what if my partner gets it, my family members get it, but how do we deal with lockdown? and being, let's face it, in close proximity with people that we love, but maybe we're spending more time with them than we might be used to. And tempers can fray and people get frustrated and people are operating from a place of stress and uncertainty. So again, tempers fray under those conditions a little bit more. So it's really about giving people really practical strategies and exercises and tasks within a community of people that they can put into place and develop skills for the over a period of 12 weeks. But by the way, these are skills that really, they're going to be fantastic to get their head around and to use and to master, even when lockdown and this Corona pandemic is over. You know, it's going to help them live better lives. But I think that's been important from a business point of view to move and to, to find, you know, find what do people need and what's the best way of helping people that I can. I'm actually starting, because it's been so successful, I'm actually launching a second intake and starting um, another group on the 18th of May. So super excited to get, you know, we've had over 240 people come along for the first group. And so we're starting the second group we've already got people signing up for that. So yeah, really excited to be helping as many people as I can doing that. But I, I think, you know, there's something interesting to be said, from the business point of view, because most people have just been like, wow, this is really great and and very appreciative that I'm putting this out there and doing this, that kind of stuff. I've had a couple of people say, well, it's rather opportunistic. Uh, And that's something that I sat with for a little while and really wanted to consider. And I don't know, I could be fairly outspoken about the opportunistic kind of frame. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that in that I don't think there's anything wrong with being opportunistic. That's what business is. You know, the people that were, you know, accused of others of being opportunistic. I think sometimes it, they're not being opportunistic, but well, they are being opportunistic. But there's nothing wrong with that. In that, like, are supermarkets giving us all food for free during this time? No. Why? Well, people need food, and they have a right to earn a business and to earn a living. That's okay. It's. Um, I, I think it's not capitalizing on something. I mean. I think there was a difference. If I were, you know, let's say a dancer, you know, and that was my job. I was a professional dancer, going around dancing in cruise ships and whatever. And then the corona anxiety broke out, and I thought, "Oh, corona anxiety! I'm not qualified to do this. I'm a dancer, but how can I cash in on corona anxiety?" That's very different from someone who, like me, has been working in this field for years and years and years and years and years, and, years, and now I'm just finding a way to tailoring what I already do to help people in the current situation. That's different from someone who doesn't help sell hand, sell hand sanitizers and now suddenly decides he's going to flog hand sanitizers. That's different.
1: Yeah. And also putting the price up. There's, there there have been some people are putting the price up yeah. of hand sanitizers, which is ridiculous. I just saw that Italy have capped the price of, of face masks at, at 50 cents, which is awesome like so everyone can afford them and you've done a similar thing right you're not saying that you're giving everything away for free because you've got food to put on the table like everyone else but you have drastically lowered the price to make it more effective which means that you'll end up i hope sincerely hope making at least what you would have been making before this pandemic comes because you're able to sell it to more people and so it's the right time it's the value proposition is brilliant and and actually you have made it free to to the people who need it most, so it's it's a brilliant offer. And I was just I was just looking at it before we came on this call, and it's honestly, man, I mean you've you've nailed it. I think, and I, I'm I'm so happy to be promoting it for you because it's it's perfect, and you you deserve every success. And I'm I've seen I've seen you fill the program once already, and um, I'm I'm sure that will continue. So I, I think it's it's perfect. It's the perfect balance of feeding yourself first and, and also being ethical and all of that stuff. So respect. Thank you, man. it uh, means a lot. So let's, let's wrap this up. I want you to give me a couple of maybe one or two points about what's impressed you, what, what, what you've seen other people do so far, and then you can finish off with letting people know exactly where they can go to achieve peace of mind in times of uncertainty. So, what's impressed me apart from you? Well, I mean, my phone. You need to stop texting me, to be honest, mate. Because <laughs> it's just this, just random, random text in the middle of the night. They're a bit weird, but I, d- I do appreciate them. Thanks. Good, 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 good. Well, I, I, I noted, noted.
0: No, I think what's impressed me is, I think the sheer number of people who are going out and giving up their time and putting themselves at risk to keep things moving forwards. There is this kind of notion, you know, when you're busy in the rat race doing a million things that everyone's out for themselves and, you know, we're just clawing over other people and stuff. But in the main, you know, I mean, I was speaking to Hertfordshire County Council the other day, and they asked, you know, would I be able to extend offers uh, of my course to people that were volunteers or carers? And I thought, you know, well, how many people have volunteered to help and support and, and carers that are volunteering to care for others just in Hertfordshire? And I was like, is it like 100, 200? And they were like, no, no, we're hoping to let thirty-eight and a half thousand people know. I'm like, what? But that impresses me. 38,500 people sat at home. And when this has happened, they thought, how can I contribute? How can I help? Rather than what do I do? I hope someone helps me. How do I help
1: others? And, and that's a beautiful thing. That's really cool. That is really cool. Well, I was doing a uh, virtual quiz last night and someone wasn't able to make it because she was out putting together food parcels at a football stadium, which is uh, amazing considering she's in pretty much exactly the same situation as, as I am with, with a couple of kids mm. and uh, elderly parents and stuff. But, you know, rather than sit there doing a... Stupid pub quiz online. She's out doing that. So, yeah, that that's, that thinking just just the
0: whole it's like a one eighty degree thinking that switched. Of instead of thinking about what do we need, people are more uh, are quicker to think what do other people need, and that's something as well that I really hope stays even after lockdown. And I think you know if we do, the world will be a better place psychologically for it. You know, I mean, obviously it doesn't take away the 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 hurt the upset the shock the devastation for families that have lost people my heart always goes out to those so I'm very loath to always you know get too far down the you know everything's going to be better after because it kind of undermines the the tragedy for for people that have gone through this but you know we we do have to look at you know what are the silver linings for sure and I think that that's something that's useful
1: yeah and for those of us that are that are left standing it is about mental health and it is about you know how we're dealing with potentially some tragic loss as well, right? So that's really what you're helping people with, and and have have been helping people deal with these issues for years. So this is your time, Howard, and um, I'm, you know, I'm amazed that we're doing it's it's brilliant. So let's talk about exactly where people can find this program and and how they can get it.
0: So if people want to find out more about this, they can go to Rapid Change dot works forward slash, corona anxiety, and that's where certainly if people are interested in the the corona anxiety support program, they can find that rapid change dot works. That's where all of my other stuff is housed anyway. So once you get to there, you'll navigate your way around and and find all sorts of cool stuff.
1: Yeah, it's worth mentioning you have a fantastic podcast as well, right?
0: I do. Uh, thank you,
1: Tavy. Yes,
0: I I do. I have a, a very good podcast. Been going about three years now where I interview other change workers, people that are interested in helping people to change quickly. It's called Rapid Change Matters. It's in all good, I was going to say bookstores, but not bookstores. No, uh, all good streaming services, so iTunes and Stitcher and so on. And also online uh, to rapidchange.works. And I'm also on all the social medias as well. So you can find me on Facebook, just search Howard Cooper or Rapid Change Works. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, The
1: Works, you'll find me. Nice one. Howard, thank you very, very much for coming on. Marvellous. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, mate. This episode of Crisis Cast 2020 was produced by me in London and Kate Astrakhan in Michigan with artwork by Ryan Field and sound design by Lee Turner. Crisis Cast 2020 It's a production from Podcast Network Solutions, a full-service podcast production company who are ready to help you plan, record, produce, and promote your message with podcasting. To find out more and grab your copy of Podstar, if you're feeling pod-curious, visit us at podcastnetworksolutions.com.